0: you got everything set up over there.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Your levels are gorgeous. They're good.
0: Folks. Yeah. We're yep. we're feeling good. Yep. All right. Whew. I don't know if I <laughs> Folks. I don't know if I have it today, Laura. Why not? Cuz I'm just, I'm not so sure about this books thing anymore. <laughs> I'm not so sure the books are good.
1: You're so dramatic.
0: <laughs> I've been thinking about it, Laura. Yes. Books are bad.
1: Are I think they that books are bad, folks? Are you sure that it's just not that you're bad? I've
0: actually no, I've actually decided I'm gonna go be one of those like periscope guys that's just like constantly <laughs> reviewing things. Be like, let's get the hearts going, folks. Let's get it going for this like toaster I'm reviewing. It's gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be a vlogger. I've mm. actually decided that we're gonna do that instead of instead of books because as we I just the written word, it's no longer doing it for me anymore. Uh, but anyway, good. So we're, we're all set up here. Uh, good. Yeah. Very good. So just make yep. sure you cut we're this. We're turning
1: this into a, a vlog next yeah. week.
0: Yeah, make sure you cut this before I announce my. Re- you know, I don't want people to know that I'm retiring from all <laughs> written activity. Um, but anyway, here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready, Laura? Yes. Welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane, and with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura.
1: Hello, Laura. Mm, it's man. my birthday week. Let me have it.
0: <laughs> it is your birthday week. We will let you have it. Thank you. Um, anyway, so um, today is going to be fun I for a number of reasons. We've got um, some award um, previewing to do today, which I think is going to be pretty fun.
1: I'm not the only birthday boy here. Well,
0: so that's the thing, right? <laughs> and we're going to get to that in a second. So before we before we get to what you mean, how about you? How about you give us the rundown?
1: Yes. So it's the middle of September, which means uh, it's time to reiterate our September special episode dates, especially because we recently just swapped the first pages and writing by reading around um, for for various uh, behind-the-scenes reasons involving leaving books on counters. Um, so wow. our query wow. show... Wow. <laughs> Our query show is already out for those Patreon subscribers. First Pages is going to go live this week on September 21st, and our Writing by Reading will go on the 28th. So those are all Thursdays. Stay tuned. You're not going to be missing anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that'll be pretty fun. Send us your first pages. Send us your queries. Send us your suggestions for Writing by Reading to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com.
0: I feel that we should announce the Writing by Reading book. We should. Um, So I'm particularly excited about it uh, for next week. Uh, We are going to be doing um, October by China Mieville. Is that how you pronounce it? It sure is. Sure, okay. Um, But I loved this book. If you follow me online, I've talked about this book many times. It fits any number of my interests. Um, But mostly it's a really, really great example of nonfiction storytelling that balances history and – Um, Factual information with just really good character building and stuff. And I actually think that even an audience that is primarily fiction writers, um, there's a lot that you could learn about world building and scene setting um, from this nonfiction book. And I'm really excited about the episode. So um, there you go. But anyway, that's what
1: we're going to be reading.
0: Today is Awards Day here on Print Run. It
1: is Awards Day,
0: which is exciting first because it's our first repeat topic.
1: Yes. For an episode,
0: which means something. Laura, do you know what it means?
1: What does it mean?
0: It means that we are one year old. Yay! It, mean, <laughs> it means it means that we have survived a full year. Yeah. Um, and we are back around the calendar. I remember this was our first real show, I'm pretty sure. Yep, after um, a
1: whole bunch of just yeah, shitty <laughs> practice ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, we really did just sit down here and say some bad things. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the good thing, no one roast me about that. Uh, but, um, but we're a year old, and we so are. I feel like we should 46 spend 46
1: whole regular episodes with a whole bunch of specials
0: we should we should spend a second on that. And so my question to you uh, before we get going here is, what about doing print run for a solid year now? What have you learned? In terms of – not just in terms of like, well, obviously now we know how to like talk into a microphone (laughs) because that took like half of the year.
1: It did. It really did.
0: But just like, you know, in terms of your book life, in terms of what you think about the book world, I mean we've sort of spent a year kind of digging into stuff. Um, and really trying to examine things from a different way, and maybe it's informed your agent life in some way. I don't know. What what do you got? Like, what has this show done for you? Well,
1: I was gonna say first off is that I learned that the audience can definitely tell when we're imbibing alcohol on the show, both from the yeah. the timbre of our voices and also the sound mm-hmm. into the microphone. Because no matter how far you lean away, yeah, um, you can still hear us swigging wine from the bottle. Hmm. So. That's-
0: that's problematic. Wish we had known that um, before <laughs> for but today.
1: No, I think, you know, one thing that I have come to realize is that so I was an English major, as were we all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came into books and I very much like left that academia, like critical thinking side of the 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 english major and the and the critical reading of books i very much like left that in the dust because like when you when you start building your list as an agent you just kind of go off of gut yeah and one thing that i think that i have started to do a lot more is to look more critically and thematically at all of the work that i was doing so i'm now i'm actually using my english major and those skills more you know yeah. one year into print run than i was at the very beginning hmm
0: i think For me, the thing that Print Run has, like, shown me about whether it's our listeners or whether it's about just, like, the online book community or just people trying to write books, um, and this, I guess, jives a little bit with my experience um, now becoming an agent as opposed to being an editor in-house, but, like, just seeing how much the process itself from the writing to the querying to the trying to find an agent to trying to find a publisher—how much that matters to people, on a personal level, yeah, and a and beyond a personal level, on a political level, on a cultural level, on a—I um, don't know. Like one thing the show has kind of taught me is just how like fervent people are about just trying to break into publishing. Yeah, which. Is really it's not it's not something I was necessarily aware of um, before. Obviously, I knew that lots and lots and lots of people were trying to write books, but when you sit a certain space away from the actual people writing the books, you don't necessarily get a sense of that energy. And for me, like just seeing how much people care about like um, you know representation and trying to make sure that all these you know different types of voices and perspectives are accounted for, it's really I think it really it's really something. Yeah. And right down to, um, you know, which books are getting requested by which agents and which books are making it into editorial board meetings. And like, you know, one thing that we dig into on the show a lot that I really never thought about much, you know, before now is just that like building of a list and thus like building of a canon, mm-hmm. you know, just like how every book you pick like impacts something.
1: I think about that all the time. You know what
0: I mean? And that's not necessarily a thought I was having before before this show. And that's, you know, having to dig into this and having to, like, you know, engage with, you know, people, whether it's through, like, our query shows or any of that kind of stuff. Like, that to me is what's been the most eye-opening is just how much people care about – and how much – I mean, maybe not even – that's not even the right way to phrase it. Maybe the right way to phrase it is how much that stuff actually matters. Yeah. Because the reason they care is that it does matter. And – I don't know like it's it's been kind of sh- like being on the more like person focused side of the book publishing world, um, I don't know. It, it's kind of cool. One of and the things this show has been a big part of like opening that
1: one of the one of the phrases that I find myself using a lot more is that, you know, like publishing is political. writing is political. And, you know, like a lot of the time it's really easy when you're an editor, or when you're a reader to really just focus on one book and the book that you're reading and kind of see it by itself. Yeah. And I think getting at what you're talking about there is you see all of it's connected. Every single, you know, requested book yeah. is it kind matters. of a political statement it and does. every signed author is a political statement and every signed book yeah. And, and, you know, sold book and um, sold copy. Yeah. It, like, it it really matters and reflects on things. So there you go. We're all making a difference.
0: <laughs> well, I just, and I, that's kind of why, like, I'm excited about, like, continuing this for, you know, as long as people will have us, I, f- I figure, right? I don't know. Um, people
1: are threatening to get, like, print run <laughs> tattoos on their knuckles. That was
0: funny. Yeah. Shout out to, I think, MK Anders is the user there. Um yeah, that that was good. We need more of that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, happy birthday to the show. Happy birthday to all of you who listen to us. Happy we,
1: birthday, bird.
0: Happy birthday to the stupid loon avatar I go online and yell at people with. <laughs> um, that's useful. So should we get to the thing then? Yes. So good. Um, it's award season. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it is. Hell
0: yeah, it is. Um, which means that we have a few things announced over the last week or so. We have the shortlist for the Man Booker Award for fiction, and we have the National Book Award longlist uh, for all four, four different are, categories. Yeah, yeah all we've four. Got poetry, nonfiction. What's the term?
1: Fiction, and then young people's literature. Young
0: people's literature. Um, so, um, before we get started, we've got we've got a bet. Again, because yep. last year we had a bet and I thought it went pretty well. I, I might be biased because I, I won the bet.
1: <sighs> <But laughs> yes, uh, yes, you did.
0: Um, So we're going to do another prediction based bet here. We're yep. going to be betting on we're going to be betting on which ones. We're going to do the we're man doing booker. The, we're
1: betting on the man booker because historically the man booker is more unpredictable because they change who um, judges it every year. Uh-huh. So that one's going to be harder, which means that I have a higher chance of winning.
0: OK, that's good. I guess, um, and then we're going to do fiction for NBA. Yes. And so, so what are the stakes here? We we settled them. Tell me, tell me what we're competing for. So
1: the uh, the loser of this bet, if if one of us guesses right and one of us mm. guesses wrong, the mm-hmm. person who guesses wrong will have to read a selection of a particular book on air. Uh-huh. Um, with if, the voices. With the voices, obviously. Like, not, with like the voices. I feel like
0: that off. Like there's a way to read, and there's a way to really read. Yeah. And I think we really need to be do, doing some reading. Yeah. Here.
1: We don't do the voices on the first pages show. We're gonna do the voices. Okay.
0: So um, what do we got for so each? So if of us?
1: Eric loses, he is, and this is the same bet from last year, is uh-huh. he is going to read a selection from Fifty Shades of Grey.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna be really into that. That's gonna be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and if I get it wrong, I'm uh-huh. going to read a selection from um what could arguably be called the um second most popular piece of fan fiction after 50 Shades of gray <laughs> which is my immortal
0: What is my immortal?
1: It's the um really 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 bad but beloved 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 oh very beloved uh-huh. fan fiction from, of Harry Potter uh-huh and it, there are like vampires. I was about to ask, so
0: like, what happens in the very beloved fan fiction? Well, of Harry there are Potter? like
1: vampires, and there's like this new main character, mm. and um, basically she's like Draco Malfoy's love interest. But mm. this has kind of come back into it's never um, ending,
0: folks. Yeah, this is Harry kind Harry Potter of- <laughs> is never ever going away.
1: No. And this has come back into um, kind of common view is because the the author, the now grown up actual professional author uh-huh. who wrote My Immortal is no longer 15 years old uh-huh. and she um, is writing a memoir, oh. which, which is coming out through St. Martin's Press. And so now that we're a little bit farther out and it's kind of like back in the swing of things, uh-huh. um, I figure it's time for a read if I lose. Um, I should also mention that if Eric and I guess the same thing.
0: Yeah, we don't know what each other's picks are.
1: No, we don't. And so if we both guess the same thing and that thing is correct – then we both lose. Mm-hmm. And if it's wrong, then we both lose. Yeah. So basically um, we're well, – That
0: means you better not have picked what I picked is what that <laughs> What about <laughs>
1: because you? Because
0: I picked the right ones.
1: I picked <laughs> earlier today and you picked like while we were drinking hot toddies do you think this. Isn't this isn't like
0: third grade where you've got your little page next to you on the desk and I can like lean over as like a little grade schooler.
1: Well, like- <laughs> maybe if we pick the same way, that will just mean that we've spent a year doing this together. Yeah, well,
0: we'll see. So we're going to start with National Book Award for Poetry, long list, um, which is an odd place for us to start or even talk about because neither of us represent poetry. I don't think we really, I don't know, maybe I'll speak for myself, I don't read a ton of poetry. I read some. I don't. But yeah. it's been like a while since I've read something new in poetry. Um, I guess I read like, I think I read Citizen was like the last bit of poems I read, um, but we were we wanted to talk about the national book award for poetry not because we have particularly expert opinions on these selections but because my good co-host, co-host Laura here has a story
1: I do have a story <laughs> I have a I have an up close and personal story so one of an
0: encounter folks <laughs> an, an encounter. encounter
1: so one of the one of the books uh-huh. up for the this award is don't call us dead Poems, uh-huh. so it's colon poems uh-huh. um, by a poet named Dinesh Smith. This is uh-huh. his sophomore poetry collection. He's out of the Twin Cities. Hell yeah. He's published with Grey Wolf. He's like a big deal, right? But here's, here is my fun claim to fame now I've been awkwardly kissed on the neck by a National Book Award long lister. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you have to you have to make that sound less salacious than it is. It's a-
1: absolutely not salacious. Okay, so fast forward um, quite a while back to like 15 year old Laura. Okay,
0: so that's a rewind. Rewind. We're going to call that a rewind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Denez uh, Denez went to my high school uh-huh. Central High School. Whoop, whoop. Uh-huh. Um And what's
0: well, the mascot of Central High School? Uh,
1: the Minutemen.
0: The Minutemen.
1: The Minutemen.
0: Man, I was really wow. All right, yeah. let's move on. We actually,
1: like, didn't have a mascot. We had, like, the logo thing, but, like, nobody, like, dressed up. Actually, no. Somebody totally did dress up like a Minuteman. Uh-huh. I'm confusing it with college, which were the pioneers. Yeah. You can understand my my mistake.
0: All your stupid mascots. Yeah, <laughs> keep going.
1: So Denez was a year above me uh-huh. in in high school, and he was in theater. And, like, we were, like... Friendly, you know, like we're still friends on Facebook, like you know, whatever. Yeah, um, but I was in so central has the hallmark of being like having this student led theater program where in the Uh fall they do a student directed musical and in the spring they do a student directed play. Yeah, and so I can't sing obviously. Uh, And so in the fall, I worked like behind the scenes. Like I did stage manager one year, I did props master another year, et cetera. Um, But I was like, maybe I can be an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, like obnoxious 15 year old Laura was like, I can totally do this. This is going to be great. Having like not acted before or Mm -hmm. whatever.
0: Um,
1: So it came time for tryouts for this play. I don't remember what the play was. Oh, don't dang. ask me.
0: I, I really want to know. Don't ask me.
1: I, I, You know what? I thought about <laughs> it for like 30 seconds. Yeah. If I thought about it for longer, I could probably come up uh-huh. with it. But you know what? Yeah. Oh, well. All right. So they had us doing for like the first round. They had us paired up um, girl and boy. Uh-huh. Um, and they gave us the scene. And it was the scene of like this couple fighting and then like making up at the end, and there mm-hmm. was like supposed to be a kiss, right? Right? And Denez was my partner, and I was like, "This is cool." Dinez is the lead of everything because like he's a because pro- he's like,
0: talented. Who because he's a met. talented
1: and he's like a slam poet. And well, clearly
0: his poetry career has worked <laughs> out just fine. Clearly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um So Denez was my partner, um, and they. Talked with me about, like, you know, like let's not kiss. Like, we're, you know, like they were dating somebody and I was sad and alone at 15, but like, whatever. I was just like, I don't know if I want to kiss Dinez because like we're friendly and like I look up to him and he's like older than me. I'm like, whatever. So we were like, okay, we're not gonna kiss, (laughs) right? Well, we go down and we're doing the scene Uh in front of everybody in the in the big old auditorium, and we're like sitting on the stairs and we're like fighting. And then when it comes time for him to, like, hug and kiss me, he, like, hugs me. But then, like, I think he was, like, feeling it in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, like, kissed the only part that they could reach was my neck. Uh-huh. Like, just, like, the side, delicately the <laughs> side of my neck. And I totally broke character. Yep. And I didn't get a call back. Hmm. And Dinez was the lead. <laughs> so there you go.
0: Excellent. That's my So story. anyway, that's our pick for National Book Award for poetry. <laughs> Uh, what's the name of his collection again?
1: Don't call us dead: okay. colon poems. All right. Well,
0: we're we're rooting for Denez. Um, yeah. Go Minnesota. Go yep. Central High. Go Minutemen. Frankly. Go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Go Denez. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: anyway, so so moving on past that. Moving to less.
1: Moving past that to
0: more professional topics. <laughs> um Yeah. Let's do let's do let's do YN next.
1: Uh, technically it's not YA. It's young people's literature. Young people's literature. Young people's literature. Not so necessarily
0: adults. Correct. So, real, I mean, maybe this is totally, total nonsense, but do you see any, like, reason why there's a distinction there? Like, what does young people's versus young adults say to you?
1: Young people's is anything YA and under. So that could uh-huh. include a chapter book. That oh, can okay. include a middle okay, grade great. novel. That, I think, that could technically include a picture book. Got it. Um, so it's just, like, children's books. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, so young people's literature, I have to be honest, like, I think we've pretty well established that like most of the time I know what I'm talking about when it comes to YA Uh on this podcast. Um, I haven't really heard of very many of these. Yeah. A lot of them, well, to be, to be fair, a lot of them are for younger readers and I don't particularly specialize in stuff by younger readers or for younger readers. Um, and you know the the really like the big ones that I had heard of, like the two like heavy, 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 heavy hitters on here as far as like being in the children's literature sphere. Yep, is Jason Reynolds who um, did Long Way Down, which is a novel that is that's it's about like teenage gun violence, but it takes place in sixty seconds. So, like, oh. each chapter is, like, a really, like, tiny little, like, yeah. minute moment and yeah. then, like, some, like, flashbacky sort yeah. of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but Jason Reynolds is, like, super, super popular right now, especially amongst readers because he is doing the new Miles Morales novels. So, like, the black Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jason's just, like, killing it. He's a New York Times bestselling author, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then we have, of course, Angie Thomas, who I'm sure all of you are. You may have heard like, of her. You've you've either like hopped <laughs> on the Angie train with us, or at you've this been point. hit by the Angie train.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yes. so she's in there. Would we would we be calling her a front runner for this award?
1: I mean, okay, so like let's consider that like last year. For the fiction, like the adult fiction, mm-hmm. um, Colson Whitehead won the National Book Award with the Underground Railroad. Yeah. The Underground Railroad. God, that is hard to say five out loud fast, yeah. five times fast, yeah. and I feel like we've said it more than five times on this yeah. podcast. But it, it seems <clears throat> like the National Book Award is really into books about um, kind of various. Various parts of the the black experience that can like that like uh, quite honestly like white people can read and like learn something but not also feel bad about themselves, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. Just like to put it really really bluntly, sure. and I feel like the Hate You Give is like that book. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, and the other the other books on this list, like there there's a really good you know. Pushcart-nominated author who is writing about being ha- a Haitian immigrant. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of, like, cutesy um, stories also about, like, immigration and 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 being um, uh, especially of mixed heritage. But then there's also, like, a lot of, like, The Giver-type style books.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I feel like you just, like, can't ignore the powerhouse that is Angie Thomas if yeah. you are the National Book Award. Like, of course she's going to get it.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, right? we'll see. I mean, she would seem to be the odds-on favorite. Um, her book has certainly, I mean, as we have talked to death on this show, justifiably so, with how popular it's been and what a phenomenon it's been. But um, it seems to me like that would be that would be the pick. Um, that would com- kind of complete what has really been quite the year yeah. for that book. But suffice so
1: so. it to say that I now have a whole lot of books that I need to read. <laughs> yeah, you got to get out there. I do. I do.
0: So should we do nonfiction next?
1: Yes. Something I also don't know a lot about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So I've kind of picked through the nonfiction list a lot here. And, um, you know, I think my thoughts on this list kind of sum up my thoughts on nonfiction for the year in a lot of ways, which is, which is great. I guess that's the whole point of a National Book Award list for a given year, right, is you get kind of a summation of what happened in a category for a year and... I saw two things this year. I saw a lot of really kind of long time in the making, really well-researched books that um, took on some historical thing or took on some, um, you know, dynamic of America, especially something that's kind of dark about America, Mm -hmm. which obviously there's plenty to pick from, um, and a lot of instances on this list where someone does that really well
1: for example Um, the james Foreman jr the locking up our own crime and punishment in black america right
0: that would be one i mean i would say you know also on here is timothy b tyson's the blood of emmett till is another example of a book that i think kind of fits that category where it's like a longer researched more less what i'm about to call this kind of this other category which feels a little bit reactionary to the moment if that makes sense um, you've got a ton of books this year obviously way more than appear on this list that just I mean we obviously went through um, we went through something a at the difficult end, at the end of 2016 year. right yeah. and at the beginning of 2017 and in nonfiction specifically I think that has a tendency to generate a lot of very very quick books it has a tendency to create books that um, are usually okay, but they often take, like, a very short view of whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. They say, this is the thing that happened, this is what's happened. It, it's sort of like, it's all, they're almost like long pieces, you know? Like, you just sort of get a really condensed view of something, whereas I'm someone who, like, I don't know, I got bummed out when, like, a ton of Trump books came out right away, you know? And it was just kind of like, man... Maybe we should, like, take a second and, like, think about this for a second, at least in book form. Like, to me, that's the biggest difference between, like, think piece culture and books, yeah. you know? is like, we have the luxury with books to just, like, wait a second to, like, see – to actually try to draw some conclusions to actually maybe even more importantly – tie in a longer stretch of history as opposed to just saying this is what happened throughout the 2016 campaign now we're here boom
1: you're able to pull on more subtle threads to create a tapestry I think in books
0: and like so I see this list and I see a lot of I feel like some of this list um, it sort of got propelled by that second feeling which is that we kind of live in this fraud age and these people very quickly tried to deal with it and um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not necessarily my my personal favorite thing because it feels like, I don't know, like how many, how many Trump resistance guides have you seen? You oh, know, my God,
1: shelves? so right. many. You know,
0: I mean, you have books like, you know, on tyranny. You have, um, and you have all the campaign books. You have, you know, Shattered if you're, you know, a leftist. You have The Destruction of Hillary Clinton if you're a liberal. You know, you have all these different books that, are mostly just about the same stretch of time that we all just like watched happen. And that's yeah. interesting and that's worthwhile. But like I'm not ready to give a National Book Award to one of those books, yeah. I would say. Um, and I guess that's why um, I do think that there are some books on here that you know I have a few that I hope will be among the shortlist and the winners. But um, I don't know. I guess so. just so we can get through the list here, what we've got – Um, You've got Locking Up Our Own, like you said, from James Forman Jr. You've got The Future is History, How Totalitarianism Reclaimed Russia by uh, Masha Gessen. Um, You can kind of see why that book is something that is just like – it just feels like that's something that people are really interested in right now, right? Like totalitarianism, Russia. Um, Then you've got um, Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI, which I think by David Graham – Which to me fits that first category I was talking about of kind of a longer that isn't necessarily swayed by the moment, you know, was a book that um, obviously takes, has a ton of resonance and relevance right now, but um, wasn't necessarily totally concerned with capturing every last headline in the book. Um, You've also got, and This one's complicated for me um, because I do I do like it a lot, but I think that it fits this um, kind of reaction category, which is Naomi Klein's "No Is Not Enough: uh, Resisting Trump's Shock Politics and Winning the World We Need," um, which I think she was actually on an interview of a different show I listened to um, pretty recently. And I mean, she's great, and her book is great, and but it, it's the same thing, you know. As great of a writer as I think that Klein is. I'm not necessarily ready to give a National Book Award to that book.
1: I don't think she's going to win.
0: Neither do I. But um, it's – I just – I want (laughs) – maybe this is the feeling I'm trying to express. I want the award season to kind of supersede this. I want us to kind of rise above the immediate moment with the way we remember some of this stuff. You know, and I don't know. It's – I'm just not ready to give it to a here's what we do. I'm not ready to give it to a here's what we do about Trump book in 2017. You know, I'm just I'm just not there. So like, then we've got Nancy McLean's "Democracy in Chains," the deep history of the radical rights, stealth plan for America.
1: Same kind of thing. Same kind
0: of thing, Same exactly. Kind of thing. And Na- and I, <laughs> Nancy uh, McLean is someone who, in a lot of interviews, she I, her book was fairly polarizing. I haven't read it, but like, she's one of those people who um, starts a lot of quotes with, "Well, I was being criticized on the left and the right," and to me, that's like a alarm bell for mm, I don't think I need to read this book if like every all the sides of everything think that maybe there's some issues here but
1: question for yeah, you yeah do you think that um Kevin Young's bunk the rise of hoaxes humbug plagiarist phonies post facts and fake news <laughs> is like a what book? do you
0: think I think about that book?
1: I'm I'm asking, do you think yeah. it's one of the ones that is a lot more meticulously researched, but then was kind of like shoved to fit into like the 2017? Yeah, so
0: that's the other thing about this, right? Is you get these, um, like let's let's just so we get that again. Here's the sub. This is the title of this book of what I'm sure is a very good book. It's a Grey Wolf book. Kevin Young's a good writer. Um, bunk. The Rise of Hoaxes, Humbug, Plagiarist, Phonies, Post Facts, and Fake News.
1: Yeah. You know they just added those they just, last add, it's two just, things. You
0: just get the sense that – I mean and so that gets back to our title conversation from last week, right? Where it's just you're going for searchability. You're going for what's trendy. You're going for a lot of things. But at the same time, like the title's part of the craft at some point yeah. and i like i really hate that subtitle. I think it's not yeah. I think, I think, think not that good, even book, if the book is good but I think
1: this book is not going to win because i think it's the first category trying to be the second category. Yeah. And i think that
0: yeah. that's going to yeah. that's going to get it out. No, that's a good that's a good point. Um and then you've got um like we said Tim Timothy B. Tyson's The Blood of Emmett Till, uh Richard Rothstein's The Color of Law: A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America, which i think um is very resoundingly in that first category I much prefer. The last two here, one of them that I was actually really, really interested in is Francis Fitzgerald's The Evangelicals, The Struggle to Shape America. That one isn't going to win. Um, But it is, I think, a really interesting book because I think you can really point to a lot of why America looks the way it does based on um, evangelical behavior in this country. I
1: learned from just the blurb that 25% (laughs) of Americans are evangelical. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's a... It's a pretty, I mean, that's a really interesting story, and I believe that that book is really good. I also do not think it's going to win. Why not? I don't think it's quite, let me figure out how to put this. I think that the winner of this book, or the winner of this award, is going to be the book that straddles the two categories we've talked about, the ones that are kind of longer researched and resonant and the ones that are more reactionary, which is to say that, The book that I think is going to win does it does both of those things. It captures the moment, it captures the immediate moment, it captures the age, it captures right now um, all the things that people you know the national conversation, while also being something that is many many years in the making. You know, it takes what I think is essential right now, which is a really longer view of how we got to where we are, Mm -hmm. right. And I would say that that's a thing that's true of um, Francis Fitzgerald's book about the evangelicals, but I don't know that we're talking about the event. I don't think, I don't know that the national conversation, the national is pulse there yet. right now is about evangelical Christians. I mean, they're obviously p- figuring into heavily, heavily into all sorts of things, but in terms of like, just like what the topics are, like if you go online or you turn on the news, like it's not, it's not evangelical Christians. You know what I mean? So, like, to me, it's just not quite enough of a, um, provocative hook mm. in a way and they, okay. and again this is totally non-scientific you know like we maybe it'll win I mean I think it would be a worthy winner but um, in terms of like my eye for this kind of stuff to me that one as good as it is it doesn't feel like awards fodder in 2017 but um, and then the, so and then the last one we had here um, is
1: Erica Armstrong Dunbar yeah, who Erica, did "Never Caught: The Washingtons' Relentless Pursuit of Their Runaway Slave Ona Judge." Yeah, which I don't think is going to win because I think too many people are going to get mad about them <laughs> saying bad things about George Washington.
0: Yeah, people hate that. Um, <laughs> but I bet again, I bet that that book is fascinating and, it's and phenomenal and an absolutely essential book for the moment. But um, what do you think is going to win? So, um, well, before we. <laughs> before we get to who's gonna win I mean there are some more um there was a few more observations I had about this list which is that um you know some of these books um you know the one about Russia what's it called the uh, the future is history that book isn't isn't even out yet
1: is it not no
0: and so it's it's and that isn't to say that you know obviously these people have read advanced copies and stuff but like um some of these books I really do feel are driven by timeliness you know and t- to that end there are a lot I, ha- I was kind of uh, I wrote down, like, a list of books that I thought were going to make the list that didn't. Um, the, fir- the chief um, among them is the new ta Coates book mm. that I re- – um, and I think he's a wonderful writer. Um, I have quibbles with him as people do with all writers. But, like, he's he's really great and his books are really great. And he's a National Book Award winner in the past. And I'm very surprised that his book he's writing – It's I think it's called We Were Eight Years in Power. It's about the Obama years. I will be buying it the second it comes out. Um but i'm surprised that that one isn't on there especially because i think the deadline i looked it up um it's for um, it's i think you got it's like got to be published before december mm. of this year and then from november last year on if i'm if i'm not mistaken they might
1: be saving it
0: well i think it, pub- it publishes within the time frame is okay. the thing like so i i'm just surprised that that one didn't make it i also um for whatever reason i'm i was surprised that chris hayes book didn't make the list he wrote um i think it was called a colony within a nation or that something. That guy
1: is forever going to look like he's 12 well, years so, old.
0: Well, but people lo- – and I don't even necessarily – I have no idea if his book or his writing is good. But people just love Chris Hayes for whatever reason. It's
1: the glasses like, <laughs> and those cute little cheeks. I
0: was just, I was just shocked that his – like we aren't just – I picture Chris Hayes as the sort of guy that people just like back the awards truck up for whenever he does anything. Which isn't to say that he's not a perfectly polished newscaster and such. But just from like kind of a cynical like this is what – book selector people are going to pick. I'm surprised that Chris Hayes didn't make the list. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm also surprised that the book we're doing for writing by reading didn't make the list. Mm. I thought October was really, really good. Um, Actually, well, maybe I'm not necessarily surprised that it didn't make the list, but it should have made the list um, because that book is spectacular and all of you should go read it. Um, But uh, And then, so one of the judges in this is, uh, let me get her name right here. Uh, Valerie Lucelles, um she wrote a book this year called Tell Me How It Ends it's a coffee house book it's local and that book has been getting just dynamite reviews and it made me think that that one could have almost made this list but she's a judge
1: yeah you can't you can't so be on the list if you're I wonder
0: a judge. I wonder how they handled that I would love to hear the details on whether or not she like cuz i it must have occurred to her at some point I'm sure you
1: get asked to be a judge long before people submit things, right, and but so what she if, probably never even submitted it. What if you're it? a
0: total boss, and you're like, actually, I plan to win the award?
1: Well, then you <laughs> should have turned it down.
0: I'm just saying. I'm wondering how that dynamic went. Anyway, but like, it was, I was surprised when one of the books I thought I'd be seeing on this list, she ended up being a judge and not a contender. But anyway, so.
1: She could have been a contender.
0: She could have been, been a contender. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
1: embarrassed for both of us right now. I'm
0: very embarrassed right now. Um, so, <laughs>
1: who do you think is going to win this one? This that, is not for the bets.
0: No, this isn't. We're not. We're, we're getting to the bets. But I think that the winner here is going to be Timothy B. Tyson's The Blood of Emmett Till. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that it captures a story that obviously has mattered for many decades for a number of reasons. Um, it's kind of hitting on this flashpoint that. Is just this ongoing um, discussion about, you know, racial violence in America. Um, I think that that is a topic that is not only a long time coming in research form like this. It's also on the tip of everyone's lips and directly tied to the moment we're having. And um, and even just apart from that, like, you know, I picked last year when I did this. It had a fairly successful picking season. Um, Just based on just like the books you hear about, you know, just the buzz. And I feel like I am constantly hearing about this book from reviewers, from people who read nonfiction, from other book people. And like, so I don't know, to me, to me, that's the one for for my money. I think that that one's going to be your winner.
1: Ignoring the fact that it's not out yet, Mm -hmm. I'm also going to um, throw my hat in the ring for The Future is History, How how Totalitarianism Reclaimed Russia. And I think that that's because... That's something that people are really interested in now and caring about in the United States. And I'm also really like that would have been a fine selection, but I'm really drawn in by how this particular story is told. So what Masha Gessen did is she followed the lives of four young people that were born at the at the dawn of Mm -hmm. democracy in Russia, essentially, and about how the the changing political rule has kind of influenced their life in different ways and i feel like that's got just like the right amount yeah. of personal touch mm-hmm. and the right amount of um of political timeliness of juice. it yeah it's got I, the juice i think i think if it was told in any different way i probably wouldn't be picking it but i find that that is really compelling
0: and so that no i i think that's perfectly valid reasoning i guess like i just want I want my National Book Award winner to have more than – and this book very well might. I haven't read it. But I want it to be about more than just the moment. Like you could see with some of these award stuff. Like we just – what? The Emmys happened last night, right? Sure. (laughs) Um, And so much of that – so much of these like yearly awards shows kind of end up being like statement picks about like whatever, you know, bit of cultural – we're going (laughs) to – we actually are going to touch on this later on in the the episode. But um, (laughs) – There's just there's a way that sometimes awards get used as, like, rhetorical cudgels in a way that I think is less conducive to actually deciding what the best book was in the category. And I hope that that doesn't happen this time.
1: Yeah. The but Man Booker, a little bit less so than yes, the National Book yes, Award. Yes, I
0: would agree. Yeah. Um, so the
1: National Book Award, you can look at the other categories. You can look at the previous winners and go, well, yeah. if that won last time, I think right. this will win exactly. this time. Exactly. Speaking of which, let's, let's talk it. about fiction.
0: Let's do it. Um, so... Why don't before, – before we kind of go through the list, what were your – do you have any just like observations about yeah. this set of books? Well,
1: my, my first thing, and it just kind of like blows my mind and it doesn't really make any sense to me, mm-hmm. is that the National Book Award for Fiction mm-hmm. encompasses – Short stories and novels. And for me, like I don't even – I don't even know how I could start comparing those things. Why
0: does – okay? Well, let me – so that's your – I was – my question was going to be, well, why does that bother you? But it sounds (laughs) like the problem is less that it bothers you and more that you're finding it hard to compare apples to oranges.
1: Yeah. Like I I think that like a truly transcendent novel is going to be entirely different than like a beautiful collection of short stories. Mm -hmm. And, like, I love reading short stories. That's actually something that I got into once Print Run yeah. started. And that's yeah. something that I hadn't done before. But yeah. I'm, you know, doing it now. And I'm loving short stories. Uh-huh. And I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the, you know, they can get into trouble for a lot of different reasons. And a mm-hmm. lot of things that are not okay in one are totally fine in the other. Yeah, And I feel like that would be a really difficult thing for me. Like, my initial idea is that, like, well, okay, there's a couple of sets of short stories on here, and clearly none of them are going to win.
0: Because,
1: mm. like, think about it. Like, really? Like, think about it. <laughs> like, and to be fair, like, the, the book that I am the most interested in— in uh-huh. this whole list is something I've talked about on this episode before, uh-huh. which is still not out yet. It's her body and other parties, which are which yeah. is a set of stories yeah. by Carmen Maria Machado. Yeah, and like that book, I am super jazzed to read. Right,
0: and you don't think that's got a shot? I don't think it does. I don't think it's going to win either. But that's my second place choice.
1: Really yeah. interesting. I think yeah, that well, one.
0: I so think that one's got the juice.
1: That's the one that I'm the most interested yeah. in reading in. But I also know that like the things that I love don't necessarily win awards. Sure. So. There you go. I don't know. It's just like I think a novel will will prevail. Yeah. I do.
0: So you've got – I mean one observation I had on this list, um, I was just kind of doing the, okay, well, who, who are our nominees, right? And you have – first of all, you have almost entirely women, right? Yep. You've got almost entirely women of color actually.
1: Which is exciting. Which
0: is exciting because I think that you've got um, – what that lends itself to here also, which means that you've got a ton of um, – You've got some interesting stories here. You've got a lot of immigrant stories on this list. Yeah. You've got a lot of historical fiction on this list, which I found interesting. You've got a lot of 20th century looks at various parts of the world, right? Like you've, um, you've got something in Burma. You've got something – where else we got? Um, Jennifer Egan is on this list. She obviously is not a woman of color, but um, her book is set in the mid-20th century as well. And that one isn't even out yet. Um, I will, that's another one I will be buying on day one when it publishes, but um, we've got a few debut novels or mm-hmm. debut collections. You've got uh, Lisa Coe's um, The Leavers is a debut novel. You've got uh, Margaret Wilkerson's Sex and Kind of Freedom is a debut novel. You've got uh, Carol Zorif's Barren Island is a debut novel, and Her Body and Other Parties uh, is a debut book length collection. So, before, why don't we just go through the list real quick? I won't read the descriptions or anything. But you've got um, Elliot Ackerman's Dark at the Crossing, Danielle Alarcon's The King is Always Above the People, um, which is a collection of stories.
1: So those two, I think, are going to be competing directly with one another. Yes. Because they are both about Arab-Americans. And one is a story and one is a novel. Hmm. So I think, like, I, you know what? I am seeing a lot of comparisons. So, like, those two... Um, are both about Arab Americans. You also have um a multiple multi-generation immigrant yes, stories. You got a lot of
0: that too. You've got
1: Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Mm-hmm. You also have a kind of Freedom by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton, which is a southerning uh it's a it's about four generations of a southern like Creole family, mm-hmm. um, which I also think is gonna be competing directly with Jasmine Ward's Sing Unburied Sing, which is a multi-generational story about uh, a Mississippi family. Um, She's
0: already won as well. She has Jasmine already Moore won. Has already that won. one is one I've been Salvage hearing about. The bones.
1: Like, whoa. Salvage
0: the Bones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good.
1: Well, I've been hearing about Sing Unburied Sing yeah, a lot too. Yeah, me too. too. Um, I think that Carol Zoraf's Barren Island, which is set on a tiny island in New York City where like dead horses are turned yeah. into glue is going to be competing directly <laughs> with Jennifer Egan, which is yeah. also about yeah. New York City and kind I'm of a historical... I'm very we're going
0: to be picking the same book here. Really? Um, but so, well, I mean, I don't know. Without further ado, should we pick? Um, yeah. Well, what else? Is there anything else? I feel like we didn't worth?
1: mention Charmaine Craig's Miss Burma, which is we about um, yeah. which is, is about Burma.
0: You've also got a lot of, um, and this is true in the um uh, in the man booker award too, uh, which we'll get to, a lot of like a lot of movement of people, a lot of refugees, a lot of immigration, a lot of borders. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. And I think more in fiction, you know, like if you think of like the nonfiction award as like hopefully not only capturing the pulse of what's happening, but also being like thoroughly researched and brought up to, you know, kind of a present moment on a longer scale thing. Um, you know, the fiction to me is all about capturing not only that present resonance but also like the mood behind it and like the feeling behind yeah. it and that to me is kind of what unifies a lot of this group.
1: And one thing that I think that we're getting into kind of as a as a literary group of readers mm-hmm. is kind of a a renewed interest in liminality and kind of like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like
0: wow, a, what are we? Like
1: kind of deep, I don't know. <laughs> but but <laughs>
0: I'm not over it yet. Hold on. A renewed interest in liminality. This yeah. is this is Deborah Treisman. This is the New Yorker Fiction <laughs> Podcast.
1: <laughs> um, thanks, Deb. Um, Deb
0: is, I think, my celebrity crush.
1: Good to know. We should Deb. we should yeah. add her. Yeah. Somebody add her after this. Um, please no, but no one I think, do that. I think what's interesting is people are less interested in kind of just like the story of the normal man who's like falling apart in his own personal life but people are more interested about the individual and kind of their place in a larger system Mm -hmm. and kind of how people move through those systems and kind of like define themselves by those things Mm -hmm. and so a lot of that especially with like the immigrant experience and kind of like that code switching that happens Mm -hmm. like not only does it give you a really beautiful base to explore humanity from interesting angles but it also really kind of lets the reader be okay with that liminal state. It lets them be okay with no answers, which I feel like is a really exciting thing. Yeah. So yeah, anyway.
0: Should we do some picks?
1: Yeah, I think we should do some picks. Who's going first? You go first.
0: Um. So my pick is a debut piece of fiction on this list. It is a book that I have seen – Discussed at length um, as being quite good everywhere um, it is. I think that it is. It's an immigrant story, which I think is key. It also won a a Faulkner Social Justice Award, um, which I not necessarily as an indicator of National Book Award uh, you know capability, but it does mean that this is one that I think is has a lot of steam right now. And that is Lisa Ko's, um I forgot the name. Believers. Believers.
1: That the, was my pick too. <laughs> <laughs> Damn
0: it. Okay, so it's gonna come down to the man Booker then. Uh, So why did you pick the levers? Why do you Uh, think it's gonna
1: win? I so I was immediately comparing it with first the other immigrant stories, particularly Mm -hmm. the other immigrant stories about Asian families. Mm -hmm. Um, And Pachinko, I've been just been seeing around for like a whole year. I just thought that you know that is an amazing book from all accounts, um, but I didn't really think that that one was going to win purely because of like it's been out a little too long, I think, yeah. and it's had a little bit too much attention. Yeah, The Levers um, isn't out yet, and it's it's really so it's it's the reason that I grabbed onto it, and this is also the one that I want to read the second most after the Machado book, mm-hmm. um, but it's. A story of a young boy and his mother um, who come to America from China. Mm -hmm. And his mother, Polly, um, is working at a nail salon. And one day she just, like, disappears. And then he's adopted by a white family. They change his name. And he kind of, like, has to deal with that. And it's told in dual point of view between the mother and the son. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is really interesting to me. It's about, like, choices. It's about loss it's about grief it's about like family it's about all of these things that are good things yeah. but like with with kind of a a broader twist of the human experience real quick yeah
0: as you said it this phrase came to mind as a title of a book that i'm i don't know who's going to write it but someone in 2018 is going to write a novel called all of these things that are good things <laughs>
1: Probably it
0: just sounds like a book title right now. It, it sounds really like what we were talking. about It's like you just got to be a little bit redundant, and you got to have a bunch of like relative clauses. Yeah. Anyway, aside.
1: <laughs> that yeah, that one was my um, choice. I picked yeah. that one over "Sung Unburied Sing," which was um, going to be my choice because I've been seeing it everywhere. It's been really big. Um, but Jesmin Ward kind of already, She's already won. won.
0: No, and I think that I think that with this. You can make that legitimate reason for not picking her in in prediction. I don't think she's going to win. I think that Jennifer Egan is too accomplished already for that to hand it to her. Yep. Um, I think that – let's see. I mean, to me, yeah, the debut thing, it helps. I think that having a debut novel that isn't out yet with this kind of steam, I think there's a certain polish to it right now. Um, and I don't know. Like I, that's kind of my pick too. So I guess I'll come down to Man Booker to see how
1: – Man, I, I hope The Leavers wins.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, me too. Otherwise we've constantly made ourselves into um, a pack of idiots. (laughs) Should we do the man booker quick?
1: I think we should do the man booker. So this is the hardest one. And this is is the the one one. one. that is going to be it's gonna be announced on October seventeenth. They change who judges this every year and Uh it is like famously unpredictable. Like all of the all of this is a British award that is no longer as of a couple years ago open to only Brits. Yeah. Right. So this is open to everybody. And the people are like Well I,
0: Paul Beatty came in and won yep, it last yep, year.
1: Yeah. Yep. And there was a um and Marlon James won it the year before. Mm. So two Ameri- well, yeah. Marlon James is Jamaican, but I think he's a US citizen now. Anyway, two Americans in a row. Yeah. Um and this this is this is the hard one. All of the all of the UK papers are like laying odds, like it's a like it's a racetrack.
0: It's <laughs> what are great. The, I haven't even seen that. What are the odds?
1: I am not going to tell you. Yeah, don't tell until me. We don't pick. give me
0: the insider information. Though.
1: Um, so just really quickly, mm-hmm. um, the short list. This is a shorter list. Obviously, it's only six books. Mm-hmm. But four, three, two, one by Paul Oster. Mm-hmm. History of Wolves by Emily Friedland. Shout out because
0: um, she's she's
1: from Edina, Minnesota. Let's go. Exit West by uh, Mohsin Hamid. Mm -hmm. Elmet by Fiona Mosley. Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. And Autumn by Allie Smith. Mm -hmm. So that's a a lot of interesting picks there. There were a lot of them that were knocked off the list.
0: Well, it's a Um, lot of, I mean, just looking at this, I mean, you've got um, a lot of British books. You've got a lot of books that feel very European in the way they're talking about kind of, you know, refugee movement and immigrant movement. I think that you know one of the novels on this list is considered the first major post-Brexit novel. Yep, um, that's
1: Autumn by Ali yeah. Smith, which is going to be one of four, four. seasonal yeah. novels dealing with kind of like Brexit yeah. and immigration. Yeah, there's also a lot of playing with form mm-hmm. in this yep. in this a lot series. Of time so uh, Paul Astor in Four, Three, Two, One. It basically, it's like a nine hundred page novel about four ways, like this ordinary dude, and during the Civil War, could like have lived his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, George Saunders doing Lincoln in the Bardo is a lot of kind of like dream type sequences, talking like Abraham Lincoln talking to his dead son and like fighting for his soul. And, I love
0: like, George Saunders. Really, I, why in, am I not surprised? He came about and that? read in Minneapolis last year, and he like just read from. I don't even think it was his. You know, I, you know, he wrote like persisting. Um, Persistent Grappers of Fripp, I think it's that called. That is it's, a title. I know. No, it's got some name like that. Um, forgive me if I screwed it up. But he has like a very famous children's book that he wrote um, in addition to his other stuff. But um, he read some other thing and thing. And it was just – it was very charming. And I really yeah. – I don't think he's going to win. But This is
1: his first novel. So he actually yeah. – the British papers were giving him two-to-one odds Two-to-one to odds. Two-to-one. Wow. For George Saunders. But I don't think he's gonna win because he is, first of all, he's clearly the favorite to win because he's the biggest name on here.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, this is his first Paul Auster, novel. Paul Oscar's a pretty big name. Well, yeah, but George Saunders? Yeah, not I mean, come on. George Saunders. yeah. Um it's his first novel, but it's not, you know, anywhere near his his first big win. Yeah. I mean.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna win.
0: I'm feeling like we're probably gonna pick the same book. Really? Are we? What's okay. your pick?
1: Um, I honestly, this is this is uh. not this is not uh, <laughs> this is not scientific at all. But I was very taken um, by this book, who was written by somebody who worked at a bookstore, and this book was written on her phone.
0: It's uh-huh. a book that's
1: not out yet, <laughs> um, but it's Elmet by Fiona Mosley. Oh, oh, okay, Man, good. <laughs> Save it. Okay. Yeah, so she she wrote it on her phone, and it's like this really cool Yorkshire set novel where like a father and his young children are like building a house with his own hands in like woodland that he doesn't own. And it's like moody and it's dark and it's a debut Yeah, and judging from like how strange the, the um, judges are this year. I think that's when that one's going to do it. I don't think autumn's going to win. Cause I think it's one of four. Mm-hmm. I don't think Lincoln and the Bardo is going to win because it's too big. Um four three two one I think um will um I think it's just a little too plotting and meandering and like mm-hmm. I thought we were kind of done giving awards to like books about ordinary dudes. Um
0: Ooh, man, I, I thought think... hold on, put that on us. I thought we were done giving books. Or, I thought we were done giving awards to books by ordinary dudes. Or no, no, no.
1: Books about ordinary dudes.
0: Yeah. What? But I feel like I only want to read books about ordinary dudes. Not necessarily dudes, but ordinary people, right? Just like I people mean, living?
1: I, I I want a little bit more than that, I think. I don't know. I mean, we just went through the National Book Award options, and there were, <sighs> like, not any of those.
0: man. Don't want our books about regular people, huh? <sighs> Okay. Okay. Well. well anyway, anyway. Anyway. You're wrong because um, Ali Smith's Autumn will be winning the the man you Booker. You think?
1: Why do you think? Um,
0: I just I feel it's like it's got the juice. You <laughs> honestly. think? I mean, it's the first it's, Brexit book. You were it's just saying that the Brexit. first. T- I think that, that, you, that
1: the first Trump book. Yeah, but don't this is win. different.
0: Yeah, but this is different. We we're far we're farther enough away from okay. Brexit, and we've seen others. And like, but you, it doesn't
1: even happen yet.
0: And yeah, but in terms of the decision, and. I think the playing with form, you've sort of got this thing that hops before and after that moment that I think is really interesting. I love the series potential here as like a distinguishing factor. Mm. I love that – I love just the structure of the series. I like this idea of having, um, you know, four different seasons. I feel – I love the ambition of it, I guess, is what I'm saying. I love the ambition of it. I love the timeliness of it. You know and I mean? Honestly, with a lot of this stuff, I went through, you know, the Goodreads reviews. On a lot of these books, which is a totally, totally unscientific way to do it. But the way that people talk about this book, they're like, this is the book. This is the one that I'm happy to read. This is the one I'm so glad I found, you know, and obviously, people are kind of probably saying that about all these, but like, there's just an energy about it that to me, you can kind of, you know, I mean, so much of book publishing is trying to like, decipher the moods of like, people, whether it's like, an agent you're querying, or like an editor you're pitching to, or like a sales rep, or even eventually a reader, right? But like just like looking at the energy here, I don't know. I feel like I feel like autumn has it.
1: See, you think it's going to be the winner for the same reason I thought it was not going to be the winner. Series. So that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. of the series. Yeah. Um, and that it's that it's a Brexit novel. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm just charmed by the fact that this like highly anticipated debut yeah. that's, um, selected for the Man Booker shortlist was written on a phone. That is cool. I thought that that was just the neatest. So anyway, okay, so our big difference here – is so this is
0: what it comes down to. we basically we're at another Man Booker contest. Yes. Where the National Book Award has ruled itself out. Oh man, that award doesn't matter anymore, watch, folks.
1: Watch George Saunders win and just like yeah, no, we're done. Put us both to shame. Um,
0: <laughs> so that's it then. So just to recap the bet, I got to read out of Fifty Shades, and like you better pick like a good passage out of that too, because oh, like I am first not first
1: time, first time Anastasia's in the dungeon, <laughs> just <laughs>
0: oh man, I can't wait. Oh, um, hi mom. Me neither. Um, but mom, you
1: can't listen to this, or at least Eric's please, mom.
0: Please don't tell our most fervent listener not to listen to the show. My anymore. mother. My mother.
1: I feel like we should
0: mom fight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, apart from that embarrassing bit of radio, we are now at the end of our show. So why don't why don't we do the right tip? Yep. Huh?
1: So this <laughs> this right tip uh, has to do with believability and thoughts. Uh huh. Yes. Thoughts. Well, let's hear it. So,
0: does it have to do with liminality? No, but it like, should have.
1: <laughs> I love that word because
0: it's back in vogue now. Apparently,
1: liminal. Oh, you know what? I used that word so much when I was in college, and and Microsoft Word was like, "That's not a word." And I was like, "You're just you not would, educated." At you Microsoft would word. be
0: someone who used liminality a bunch in college. I remember sitting around with friends making fun of kids who used liminality in college.
1: Well, you know what? When you're <laughs> writing something about the transience of the setting in, <laughs> in <laughs> Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, you, too, would want to talk about liminality. This
0: is quite the right tip. That we're
1: <laughs> <laughs> right tip. So when – it doesn't matter if you're writing in first person or third person uh-huh. – um, Just kind of the general rule is to use more internal narration. Uh So instead of giving us just like a lot of people's actual thoughts, um, maybe don't. And instead focus on things like how they're experiencing the world like how that affects them physically internally or kind of you know like is their stomach clenching you can summarize
0: thoughts instead of giving a direct transcription and
1: so here's the reason why real thoughts aren't ever in full sentences basically I mean like if somebody is thinking wow or something then it's then it's believable but the longer and more complex your idea is the faker it's the bigger it is to, yeah. to put like the actual transcription of the thought yeah. in text. Yeah. So there are ways to kind of like this is kind of the point where you can flip showing versus telling a little bit on their heads. So instead of giving us the words, yeah. which actually would be telling, just show us the, the implication of that thought and kind of like lead us along to the conclusion because thoughts are not um, linear and they're not always rational. Wow. And this is, this <laughs> is very deep. It is very deep. Man. You know, I wasn't lying at the start of the episode when I talked about my, like, my academia bringing it back into into my writing job.
0: Oh, God. Um, let's quickly wrap this up before <laughs> I get sick of you.
1: So there you go. Fewer actual thoughts and more show us this everything with internal narration. Um, and we are not going to write out loud what Eric is thinking in his head right now this because nobody right tip- wants to see that.
0: This, this week's write tip is don't. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for joining yeah. us on this, our one-year anniversary and 46th episode mm. of Print Run. Remember, we're swapping first pages and writing by reading this month. So this Thursday, the 21st, first pages is going live. You still have time to send it to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you for our regular episode next week.
0: Bye.